Recovery Sort Of is a podcast where we discuss recovery topics from the perspective of people living in long-term recovery. This podcast does not intend to represent the views of any particular group, organization, or fellowship. The attitudes expressed are solely the opinion of its contributors. Be advised, there may be strong language or topics of an adult nature. Welcome back. It's Recovery Sort Of. I am Jason, a guy who is at times intolerant. And I'm Billy. I'm a person in long-term recovery. I'm Jenny. I'm also a person in long-term recovery. I'm Caroline. I'm a person in long-term recovery. Being really loud. That was (laughs) extremely loud. I'm also sometimes intolerable, which is a whole other thing. Uh, And if you haven't figured out, today we are talking about tolerance as a spiritual principle, which is... I guess one you don't hear that often, really. I mean, I, I don't remember it being like, I don't know. I always hear the honesty, open mindedness, willingness, you know, humility, surrender, acceptance. Like, I don't hear tolerance all that often. Yeah. Well, I think that's a skill. That's like a muscle that you build over time, you know? It's hmm. not one that most of us come in with right away. It's more like it starts with like acceptance, which I think acceptance in the beginning for me was like, just don't get too mad or hate other people too much. <laughs> like, you know? When I hear tolerance in recovery circles, it's more like, yo, I drank 14 uh, Miller High Life's <laughs> in the woods. I'm, I'm up there. Like, yeah, my yeah. tolerance is up there. Yeah, drug tolerance, yeah. It's just interesting because I feel like it is maybe, I don't want to say one of the more important spiritual principles, but I, I, maybe it's just one of the neglected ones, fellowship-wise. Like, I don't, I never heard about it much, and I feel like it's something we generally struggle and lack <laughs> a lot. Yeah. Maybe we should talk about it more. Maybe there'd be more of it. I mean, in one of our, the, I say our, one of the NA readings, you know, it says one of our critical problems could be an indifference or intolerance towards spiritual principles. Yeah. So that, I mean, we talk about that part, you know, but the, the idea of tolerance doesn't get brought up, but it, it is mentioned as being a significant barrier to recovery if we are intolerant of spiritual principles. And that's yeah. relevant too. So one of the things, guys, we said we were going to do this year was talk about the opposing defect. And I was kind of thinking last night, I, I think, I think intolerance is the opposing defect. <laughs> Does that make um, it easy for all of them? Like honesty, <laughs> right. dishonesty, <laughs> I mean, willingness. Some of them might be that easy. Yeah. I mean, what are you guys' thoughts? Yeah. Is intolerance the defect that we can apply tolerance to? Oh, this is going to mm. be an interesting discussion. Let's get there in a second, right? So <laughs> the, the, the first thing I wanted to say w- about what Billy was just saying was like, it almost reminds me of the idea of the removal of danger not equaling safety, Mm. right? Like the removal of intolerance doesn't necessarily equal tolerance. It just means you're no longer like intolerant. It's indifference. Yeah. You know what I mean? And there's a big difference between kind of like this neutral, indifferent feeling and maybe a a tolerant feeling. Of course, I, I got some arguments about how tolerance maybe isn't all that great either later (laughs) on so we'll figure that out let's just let's start with the definition of tolerance right that's a good place to start so the definition uh not the first definition mind you because the first definition had tolerance in the fucking definition which is exactly what they told us not to do in school (laughs) right and it pisses me (laughs) off that like these big companies making money can get away with that shit um so anyway tolerance the capacity to endure continued subjection to something especially a drug transplant antigen or environmental conditions without adverse reaction which i thought was an interesting caveat at the end because my understanding of tolerance does not fit that 
there is always an adverse reaction if I have to tolerate something because it's fucking bothering me. <laughs> Are you truly tolerating it then, though? Yeah, absolutely. Not according to this definition. But, okay, so to me, if I just can be happy with something existing or be pleased or feel good in my body with something existing or going on around me, that's not tolerance. That's just, oh, hey, this pleases me. This is great. So, and <laughs> I looked up a definition right before we came on today that's slightly different than that, that I liked better. Like, Give it I, don't, to us. I, I hadn't thought of tolerance in the way that description defines it. So, okay. this one was interesting. a sympathy or indulgence for beliefs or practices different, differing from or conflicting with one's own. Ooh, sympathy or indulgence? Yeah, which yeah. is more the way I think of tolerance it's like oh you have a different point of view from me let's talk about it like i'm not just going to shut you down and call you stupid and walk away yeah. i want to be open-minded i want to be like hey well i'm willing to hear you out let's let's use that definition for this because i feel like the one that i just read is more like uh the metal quality on this ship can tolerate the salty water in the ocean you know what i mean like right. this feels like it's different kind or of how tolerance. much pain can you tolerate yeah. if someone starts punching you in the arm <laughs> okay so let's start over and i'm gonna read billy's phone so the, the definition <laughs> yeah. is sympathy or indulgence for beliefs or practices differing from or conflicting with one's own sympathy or indulgence that's interesting well, an indulgence implies that you're actually like seeking curious. it out, right? Right. That you're actually engaging with it and not just like like, like oh, accidentally Billy. caught up. Yeah, in it. Billy, your your agnostic beliefs are actually interesting to me as a guy who believes in a universal power. Like, please tell me more about that so I can learn how you and and which is exactly what this podcast has done. I think for a lot of people, we've learned Billy's take on these spiritual principles being applied in a non christian way which i think a lot of people really like yeah. oh, well thanks yeah thanks for tolerating me <laughs> yeah, yeah we'll tolerate you for now um so it's not just like allowing it you have to like submerge in it that's that's not how i was originally thinking of tolerance like i always thought it was like well you could do whatever you want just over there like i tolerate that just over there but so Tolerance assumes that you have to also get into it to some degree. Well, and for me, that's the difference between something being like an actual spiritual principle or a spiritual practice. You know what I mean? Like it's not just something that I'm enduring for the sake of enduring. It's something that how do I lower my defenses, lower my anger, resentment, fear? Like how do I minimize that stuff? And, like, actually engage in a conversation with somebody that has differing viewpoints or differing opinions. I just can't wait till I run into a group of people doing mushrooms so that I can be tolerant and indulge with them <laughs> right. as a spiritual yeah. principle. Because I want to be a yeah. good person. Really. Right. But, but, you know, it, it, um, I hope you find those people. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it makes me think of, so, I mean... This isn't me or any of us here, but people don't tolerate homosexuality. So pride parades and stuff like really offend them. You know, like you don't have to join the pride parade, but, you know, you should be like tolerant of it. You know, I'm just trying to think of that example, like walking through that. Well, interestingly enough, mm -hmm. I just watched a whole sort of I'll call it a docu series on how a young lady got uh I'll use the word brainwashed into becoming like a white supremacist by indulging in 
like being tolerant of it. So she started dating this guy and sort of into their relationship. He said, oh, by the way, you know, I'm a fascist. And she's like, I don't even know kind of what that is. Like, I, I don't even understand what you're talking about. So she was like, well, I'll look into some of these beliefs. I'll learn about them so that I can tell him how stupid that is and how wrong he is. And then her tolerance in that eventually led to her turning into a fascist white supremacist. <laughs> you know, so there wow. is some, uh, I don't, a danger maybe or or some. Uh, so that like things like you a, have to be careful of. Do they use the term Stockholm syndrome with that? Not in this case. Is that the right one, Jason? Yeah. Am I using the right syndrome? Uh, yeah, I don't know. Sorry. I was, oh, I was okay. trying to do some lighting over here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> a little dark. <laughs> okay. Stockholm Syndrome is like the one time the woman was kidnapped into a terrorist group and then she became a terrorist. Is that Stockholm? I got to look it up. Now. Well, this story was slightly Mon- different. Munchausen Syndrome? Munchausen by proxy yeah. is when you do it to your kid, um, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. Stockholm is when you like empathize with your captor. So yeah. there like, we go. to okay. a degree. Okay, empathize with your So this one she wasn't captured. What happened was they they introduced ideas slowly. So when she first got involved it wasn't uh we're white supremacists and we hate all the races. It was like we think our European culture should be celebrated and mm. we think, you know, it should be fine for us to have pride in our heritage. And we think, you know, that society's trying to push us away. And she's like, well, that seems reasonable. And then they go to the next step. And then they go to the next this step. This does and sound then like they go 12 to the next step. It does sound and like a big book. And then by the end, you're like brainwashed <laughs> into thinking that, you know. We're not saying anything not else is bad, right but you know, our version of recovery has just worked for us, and right. it's good. We don't right. we don't promote it. We it's just okay that people. you don't believe in God. Yeah. Just try this. Yeah, so, <laughs> just just talk I mean, to him. That is a fear, and so it does. And maybe this is why tolerance is a better principle to have later on. It's like. You know, in the beginning, as you said, with, with my tolerance, I was exactly that. I'd be like, eh, that medicated-assisted recovery isn't really a thing. That's just, you know, that that doesn't work. And, you know, these other fellowships don't work. None of that stuff really works, you know. And, and it took some uh, more deep thinking about things or being open to ideas to hear why things like harm reduction help or why these other programs might work, like, but I didn't have that skill in the beginning. So tolerance requires open-mindedness. Yeah, I think that's foundational. Uh, there's also some sort of like self-worth and self-respect and self-esteem that comes along with it. Like, yeah, ha- like you have to. For me, anyway, I have to be confident in my beliefs. That when someone starts saying conflicting beliefs. I don't immediately get into this defensive, argumentative, angry place. Like, I'm confident enough in most of my beliefs that if you want to have a conversation with it, I can disagree with you or, or say, oh, I don't feel that way, you know. And I think that's why Jason and I communicate really well because we can talk about stuff, and I don't ever feel like – I mean, obviously, we're both trying to sway each other's opinion, you know. Our goal most of the time is to get the oh. other guy to say that we're right and he's wrong. <laughs> But we're not so that ever happen? Like, do, stuck do, there <laughs> that we have to butt head. Well, it's funny. We agree probably most more than we disagree. It just doesn't sound that way. It doesn't happen in the moment. But if you yeah. listen to our episodes over time, you'll hear us start going back and agreeing with shit we used to argue about. <laughs> right. So I, I think maybe one of the things that's standing out to me is this idea of tolerance and the definition of it. I, I don't think... The way it is understood on a mass level in our society is the way we're talking about it, right? Like, I, I do believe a very healthy version of tolerance is like uh, some sort of indulgence or appreciation or, or compassion towards some differing opinion. 
But the way I felt tolerance was supposed to be practiced during my time in 12 step really was like, it's kind of just like putting up with shit you don't like. It's, yeah. it's just not being a dick about it mostly. Like, and that is not a healthy thing, I mm-hmm. don't think. And so I, it, it's fascinating. I think if we just said tolerance to most people, they don't think of it as like w- positive vibes towards the person they're tolerating. They think of it as like, oh, this is something I must endure so I can get to heaven at the end of it. Right, like a hardship. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. So, but, so tolerance assumes like a healthy self-esteem. Yeah, I don't know what tolerance assumes, but I, I think our version of what we think tolerance is is just putting up with people. It's not... It's not like a, a positive. Yeah, maybe principle. that's what we need to change some. You know, like that's again, most of these words when you look into any of these spiritual principles have multiple definitions. You know, as we've talked about with love and unconditional love, and you know, there are ways that you can apply those things that aren't as meaningful for me. So it's important for me to figure out. All right, this is what I think this word means. And this is how I think it should apply in my life and use that versus, well, society thinks it means this, so I'm going to live that way. And and I don't disagree with that, but I don't know that like any time in my first five to ten years I had any ability to think that way. Or, or like, I'm going to go with what I understand tolerance to be. And even when I look it up, just like I did two days ago, I'm going to get a definition. And I'm like, oh, okay, here's the first three definitions. Let me pick one of them. And none of them said anything about anybody's right. belief. So it was like, you know what I mean? I, I think this is like spread to everyone in a mass way so much that even the dictionary definitions that I looked at didn't include anything about the version you're telling me. You know what I mean? So I didn't even know that version existed to explore mm. it. Is what I'm saying. Like I, I would, I might not have stumbled across that even the way you're talking about. You yeah. know what I mean. So is there, Jenny, our resident Buddhist practices <laughs> person? Is there like a tolerance understanding within Buddhism or within recovery Dharma? Do they? Um, is that expressed in any? Well, direct there's way? like um, compassion. I'm all, that's my go-to answer. Yeah. Compassion. Yeah. Right. I mean, that is pretty Mike much dropped. tolerance. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So, but it's compassion. I get. You know. I compassion for everyone involved so it's not just compassion for your audience but also for yourself if you can't tolerate that you should not continue in the situation well and i think this is for me again goes back to like say the foundation of unconditional love so if the foundation of my life is built on this unconditional love for others then i can be more tolerant you know, patient understanding with people. If I'm starting from a place that, yes, all human beings have value. All human beings have worth. Everyone has a right to have thoughts and opinions and exist on this planet. You know, some people have bad ideas. Some people aren't that smart. You know, like there's all those things too. But if I can at least start from a place like I care that I don't offend or hurt other people, that gives me this foundation to be more tolerant that's what i kind of meant when i was like tolerance assumes a healthy self-esteem like to i think to properly implement tolerance you have to be like billy start from a place of you know i have respect for all life well let me just be clear i didn't start there i got there after (laughs) 20 years (laughs) no and that's the difference like in Mm -hmm. the beginning my understanding of tolerance was very similar to what jason said it's like i will just 
you know, silently sit over here and boil why someone says something in a meeting that I don't agree with or they violate some tradition in a meeting and then almost feel a need to go fix it or correct things later. Now I see that stuff and I'm like, eh, I don't know. It's not my home group. Mm -hmm. It's not necessarily my place. I don't – what fuck gives me the right to run around and try to police the world because people have different ideas or opinions than me? You know, that happens in A too, like so – um there's a lot of like love and tolerance. Like they use that as like an excuse to like put up with stuff. So if something happens in a meeting and like somebody, particularly a new person, relatively new, you know, didn't agree with it, doesn't like it, like love and tolerance, just, just keep coming back, you know? So they always use that as like that phrase tolerance, like just put up with it, you mm. know? But it's not until like, you know, later years you, you have a that 180 of about tolerance yeah not, i mean for me tolerance doesn't mean that i agree with that stuff either like just because i am willing to listen to or be sympathetic or respectful to someone's point of view doesn't mean i agree with it i can be completely tolerant and then be like oh yeah i don't i don't think that's a good way to look at that or i look at that differently or i don't think that's quite right <laughs> so that seems to me like like an emotional maturity thing like i'm not going to change their mind you know i'm not going to do anything about it have a yeah. nice have a nice life yeah most of that is what gives me the right to be the one that needs to change everyone's mind you know maybe mm -hmm. my mind is the one that needs changed and i'm wrong no <laughs> <laughs> one thing that's come up for me a lot with the, the that the talk of healthy self-esteem i think on the other end of the spectrum is there's this perception of people who tolerate a lot, maybe not. Yeah, I I feel like this is not coming out the way I want like to. Like codependents and people pleasers. Right. Well, or even like tolerating abuse, right? Like there's right. people who y it can appear that you're very tolerant, but it's, it's actually coming from a, pla from a place of low self-esteem where you're willing to tolerate a lot of like just unhealthy behaviors from other people and, and put up with it. So there's a spectrum and like in the middle is, is where it's healthy, but both sides potentially can be rather unhealthy, I think. Yeah, and I think mm. that's where we come with a lot of these spiritual principles. It's like a rigid, dogmatic practice of any one of these things can be detrimental to your life. You know what I mean? Like unconditional love isn't just I go out and just become a doormat to the world and let everyone walk all over me or take everything from me or abuse the shit out of me. Like that's not unconditional love. I mean, I guess in some ways it is, but that extreme of any of these principles becomes the defect. That's almost where that whole concept comes from. It's like if I'm so intolerant and I lack any sort of self-worth, self-respect, then I just become this doormat to people. And, and I think this is a huge point that I have loved about this spiritual principle discussion. It's this idea that like I always thought we were going for 100% spiritual principle practice in all affairs, right? That thought that was the goal, 100% honesty, 100% open-mindedness, 100% tolerance. And to know that that's actually not the goal, and that might really be like the unhealthy um, swinging of the pendulum to the other end of the spectrum when I first get in recovery and then needing to kind of slowly meander my way back to center. But I think it also proves a second point, at least in my mind from the therapy world, when you describe that, right, what you just laid out, Caroline, was this idea that like really what we're talking about when we're talking about this practice of tolerance along this spectrum, it's not really like any active choice or how someone was born. You related it to their attachment type, 
right? Are they somebody who needs to like put themselves down and accept anything to stay in a relationship, to be find worth, to find value? And then attachment types come from childhood and then childhood stuff comes from pain and trauma. And it's like, when I look at it from that lens, this, I mean, that doesn't say specifically that we can't increase our level of tolerance or change our place on the spectrum through healing, but it does take this whole thing back to healing in my mind and growth in more of a therapeutic sense. And it makes me wonder how much the information I got in 12 steps of like, just practice tolerance. Just, just go ahead and practice that tolerance, buddy. Like, yeah, come on, <laughs> right. come on. You could do it. Come <laughs> on. Right. Like that's all the fuck I got. And that was useless because nobody's saying, Oh dude, you're not going to be able to practice that tolerance as long as you're all fucking hurt still. Like you need to, that's got to heal first. And then you'll just naturally be better at tolerance because you won't feel so fucking bad in your body all the time. And it's like, mm. I don't know, man. The more I keep thinking of this kind of thing, the more the the 12-step approach of like just fucking practice these spiritual principles seems kind of off. Well, I think the foundation of the idea of putting up with someone else's opinions is good. Like I needed somewhere to start, you know what I mean? I needed somewhere to get out of my self-righteousness, you know, and just sitting on my hands and not saying anything was a good place to start. And then this tolerance that I've found now in my life almost came naturally just from continuing to work on myself, work on my spiritual growth and spiritual awareness, and then eventually like, oh, shit, I can tolerate other people's opinion. Like, where did that come from? Right. <laughs> you know, like it comes naturally if you continue to stay engaged in the work. And and I totally agree with that to some degree, right? So if you can stay in recovery, I do believe there is some healing that is going on just walking through the world, not using the substances that used to control our life and make us do things that we didn't like, right? Because that's causing its own damage in itself on top of what we already feel negatively about. So yeah, you get to recovery and, and, and yes, like just changing the idea of like, oh wait, there's other core beliefs I could have. I could actually like not yell at people when they're doing shit I don't like. I think that's a great thing to put in our minds early on, right? To start that process. And yet nowhere down the line did anybody come and say to me, hey, if you're struggling practicing these principles after a certain amount of time or after you've done some step work and you still find these are really difficult, maybe there's some more stuff that needs to be done underneath of that to make it easier for you. Maybe it's not just a, a moral failing of yours, right? Like I never heard that message and what I got was the same thing I got when I left my parents' house. I went into the world. Nobody ever tell me, told me that every fucking adult and parent is confused and doesn't really understand life. And I went out in the world and I thought we couldn't tell anybody that, right? Because everybody else fucking understands how they're doing this adult shit. And I'm the one who just doesn't. And there's something wrong with me. And I felt the same way in recovery when after five or 10 years, I felt like I was like, oh, okay, I'm like the senior member in recovery now. And I'm like, I still don't know how to practice this shit because nobody has said, hey, if you don't feel good, you might not be able to practice it ever. You actually have to do some other stuff to get there. When
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So that was never explicitly said to me, but I, I think there there may have been a difference in the message that we were hearing, and maybe it was the area that we were in, but I don't feel like pretty early on in recovery, it became obvious to me that like therapy was another thing you could do to get better. I wonder if that's because you're a female. It could be. It could be. Because in the male world, there's not a lot of like suggestions of like, hey, why don't you seek some outside therapy, Billy? We'll, <laughs> we'll go think, talk about our feelings and shit. Could it also be like, you know, like the intersection of 12-step and institutions that provide treatment services? Like when you're in rehab, they're bringing in 12-step meetings, but they're giving you therapy. And I mean, most rehabs, you get therapy. Like most outpatient programs, you're getting some kind of you're shaking your head. I mean, this is. I got nothing that looked like any kind of real therapy yeah, while I was in I got any drug kind of detox. But that didn't feel. I like might have got therapy. like 15 minutes sitting with a therapist, but we were just talking about like generalized concerns. We weren't doing any therapy. Or right, nothing. right, 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 right. But that's that's your introduction. Like that's where it's like, okay, this is a part of me becoming a better. That's where person. I'm still 100% wearing the mask because I am yeah. fucking scared to death to not be on drugs. I'm not <laughs> saying you solve all your issues at rehab. I don't even like, tell I'm them my issues. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying like, like my issues was drugs, and now y'all got I me even off of it. Knew We're good. my issues at that. Point. Right, my issues <laughs> like, was drugs. Right, right, yeah. right. <laughs> but for me, me, and I don't know. I can't. I can't say like when. When the understanding that therapy can be a part of that holistic program that helps you get to a happier, healthier place. I'm not sure where that came in. I know it was discussed in meetings. I know I heard that. Um, But I do feel like there had to have been some component of like every treatment center I went to, therapy was a part of, there was a therapist, there was a counselor, there was someone I was speaking to. and, And that became a part of my perspective my my understanding yeah exactly exactly yeah well and i'm sure some of that is cultural as well um in at least in cecil county my experience is that admitting that you have a mental health issue and that you might need some sort of outside outside help help, bro just the way that was air quoted every time it was said made me feel like it it was icky very much in this culture was looked at as a a weakness or and maybe that's a male like say maybe that's a male culture thing but any sort of like i mean well even in my household growing up like my aversion to any kind of therapy or mental health came from my mom you know what i mean she's like you're not crazy you know you're just a fucking idiot like that's the the (laughs) that feels way better right and she's like you know because intellectually like i got good grades in school and i understood what people were saying so the idea that i had some sort of mental health issue underlying my addiction like those two things in in my world were very different you know i was fine my brain was fine i just like doing drugs and i couldn't figure out why 
And, and I want to go back to this idea that you presented, Caroline, that maybe we heard this different, right? And that could be different based on areas or, or, you know, generations or genders or any of that. They could all be factors. And another factor could be going back to this idea of what our childhoods were like. If I come in and my disposition is to assume that I am at fault for every fucking thing and you come in and your childhood necessarily doesn't have you operate with the world from that place of or belief, right? I'm not going to hear the information the same way, which is really fascinating. I, I've really been diving deep into this, like, especially as a parent, what I give isn't always what my, my kids are receiving, right? And maybe I should check in with them and see if they're actually getting what I hope I'm giving them sometimes. But if we go back to that idea that we had different childhoods and that's why we experienced the information that we heard different, that still doesn't help all the people who had childhoods like me who don't get the message in 12-step that it's okay not only okay, maybe highly recommended to like go at least check in with some outside help and see what they think about your place, right? Maybe there's some stuff to explore, maybe there's not, but at least you know. And I think that's the thing. If I didn't know that there wasn't more or that there wasn't another option or that I couldn't possibly practice some of these spiritual principles until I healed more, how could I ever fucking know? And I think that's a place where my beef with maybe the 12-step world is like, coming more and more to realize that I feel like being there and being told what the help was, I missed what the help could have been for me way, way sooner. And see, I look at it slightly different. Like, I don't disagree with where you're coming from, but my experience kind of was slightly different in that I came around to 12 steps and, and in the beginning it was like, yeah, some people get, you know, again, the air quotes outside help and that's okay. And in my view it was like yeah that's for like the weak people and other people but i'm supposed to tolerate that that's supposed to be okay for them just not for me and then eventually i'd talk to more of those people that would say yeah i'm doing really well and i go to this outside help and then i go hmm maybe there is something to this outside help maybe some people really do need that outside help still not me but some people need that outside help to getting to a point you know later where i'm like huh maybe outside help could help me and then now I go to a therapist so well, you know the gradual <laughs> exposure to that idea is what brought me around wouldn't it have been way cooler if like during one of those periods of your life where you were really fucking trying to change a behavior and just struggling to change it whether you were struggling with actually making the behavior change or whether you were struggling with like the idea that you were doing something different but still miserable wouldn't it have been so cool if somebody would have came up and been like, oh, man, I had that same struggle. And you know what? What I found out was like my nervous system was doing this shit and there wasn't actually any way for me to think my way out of it. And I had to like go seek some help and do some healing and stuff for some of the hurt I've had. And and you wouldn't have had to struggle as I long. I didn't get it quite so that long. deep. But like with when I was more open about being sexually abused, which came later in recovery, quite a few people suggested, hey, you might want to go talk to an outside person about that. And I would just be like, nah, I'm good. I've dealt with all that through my step work. I'm good. Right. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. But so some of the ideas that we hear in recovery, like people had been telling me the same shit. Just my tolerance level for listening to it was very different. You know what I mean? Like I was intolerant of e or, or totally un 
What's the opposite of closed-minded? I was going to say unopen-minded. <laughs> unopen-minded. <but, laughs> right. Disopen-minded. I was totally closed-minded to the concept of therapy for me. You know, therapy for anyone else might be okay. For me, no way. Well, and I like that, but I, I find it anecdotal in the sense that one of the things I struggled with coming into recovery was my life wasn't bad enough for me to be a fucking heroin user. Right. My parents didn't even get divorced. That was my main saying when I came in in my first month. My parents didn't even get divorced. What the fuck is wrong with me? So if I don't have any sexual assault in my background and, and I am like many, many, many in our society who think their childhoods were gravy and wonderful and their parents love them. What could be wrong and can't understand how damaging actually some of the ways my parents were just yet until after therapy and the exposure to it, then people aren't going to recommend that to me. Like, I get it. They did for you because you had a pretty big thing in your past. But, like, for people who don't necessarily have the big obvious Ooh. one. Yeah, that's we're, putting we're a lot fucked. on a group of uneducated 12-step people. Exactly that my point. But it's Professional un- counselor. <laughs> but it's uneducated people whose literature and writings we're listening to. That's a fucking problem. For me, that's I my think point. The big recommendation, though, was not necessarily someone directly saying, you should seek help for this. It was hearing members with time and appearing to have a high level of sanity and their shit together yeah. talk about how the they had I gone and, yeah right. exactly people that i could look at and say okay they're you know they they've they've been doing this a long time their life looks together they seem happy they seem like they're not off their rocker when they share and they're talking about they want to out you know get outside help at some point in their recovery process so maybe that's the message right is that um you know for our listeners for us as we're in various recovery programs speaking openly about your experience with what fully has helped you and i think that uh approach is probably more welcome in some meetings than others um but maybe Thinking about, like, is there a way that I can share my experience? And if I can't, like, am I in the right program for me? I don't know. I think Billy just made a really amazing point, in my opinion. To say that we can't count on a group of uneducated people who don't have the professional skills to tell us that, to me, says, well, why are we listening to those same unprofessional people in the fucking program they designed? If we can't trust on them, like he said, that was a tall order to ask the fellowship. I don't know what expectation you put on 12-step groups. I don't expect I didn't expect to come into a 12 step group and them like I came because I had a drug problem and they told me they could help me stop using drugs. You know, the deeper I want to dig into my own mental health or wellness, like Narcotics Anonymous doesn't promise me healing from my sexual abuse or mental health wellness or any of that stuff. But we have We're you just talk a about it in the like minded people. Uh, maybe you talk about it as much as you want to talk about it. I don't you know. know. I think Merck made a good point with that. You don't have to talk about it when you don't. We don't, you but know. we also say, yes, we can help you with your drug problem, but we say the disease of addiction, which is what you have, isn't really about the drugs. That's just a symptom. We want to help you actually get better and find freedom from active addiction, which if we're not qualified to recognize when you need more help than we can give you, we're probably not qualified to fucking help you. Yeah. I, I mean, I hear you a lot. I feel like you just put a very reason, unreasonable expectation on a free support group of people that doesn't make you come doesn't ask you to come i mean we want you to come but if you don't want to be here you don't want what we have to offer that's fine too so let me (laughs) ask this jenny and caroline if you two were seeking help for a problem in your life whatever problem that may be today and you went and you sought 
a place that said they could offer help for that. Would you surely hope that if they found that they didn't have the help that was enough for you, that they are qualified enough to recognize that and send you somewhere else? That would be my expectation. Well, I guess I look I at it. I'm sorry. That, like, yeah, I don't know that I would expect you don't that. Think so? I would think if it's something I'm paying for, if it's someone that I'm going to that I know is certified, qualified, this is their business, this is but what they do. That is kind of what NA says. I it mean, doesn't promote it, but they say certified we can or help. qualified though. They say if you do what we do, we can help. And they I don't want to say they market themselves because they obviously don't, but 12 step is like our healthcare's best defense right now against addiction. This is where we're the professionals are sending people. This is where courts are sending people. Right, but right now we're getting more <laughs> understandings of like trauma and the understandings of how the brain works and like you're talking about with the uh the, the nervous system, like right. all that stuff is fairly new information and still I would say not even mainstream information. Agreed. You know, for a like I guess I look at it more like a church. If I walk out of here and go, I'm a Christian, and I go to a church, and that church tells me what their beliefs and understandings of Christianity and the Bible are, I can either decide, yeah, I'm all in for that, or no, I'm not in for that. But I don't expect them to to make the decisions for right. me about what I think about homosexuality or any of that stuff. I go to the church, I hear what they have to say, and go, eh, I don't think that's for me but what if you got cancer and you were either court ordered or your doctor said go to the church wouldn't you hope the church would say hey you've got something that's too big for us to help you with you should probably go somewhere else because you're just going to die if you keep coming here but i guess what i'm saying is i feel like i did get that message does na promise it's going to help or does na promise it's going to solve the problem it says the, the promise is freedom from active addiction specific problem but we don't say, and it does not say that we're going to help you treat your trauma. No, but you also can't solve active addiction if the problem is that addiction is a coping skill for your trauma. Yeah. Oh, well, we have a differing opinion on that, too. So I don't think that everybody that uses drugs or is an addict necessarily has trauma. I think there are people that use drugs and abuse drugs that just because they like it and want it and i know you don't agree with that. i don't think there's a person alive that doesn't have some degree or isn't on the spectrum of trauma oh We've right all well yes hurt. every single person in the well, world then has that kind of debunks that what you just said well that's like a <laughs> default that's like saying everybody breathes air <laughs> like, mm. everybody that breathes air you know is a drug addict but i, don't I guess yeah I, everyone I has some point. degree of trauma and our level of tolerance of trauma is very different now we're using tolerance in a different way. <laughs> I, I do think that, uh, I don't know, that was an eye-opening statement for me. I, I get it that it doesn't change your mind, and maybe it doesn't change anybody who's listening's mind. But to me, the fact that medical places where we go for help and courts tell people to go to this program for help, I don't know, man. I, I, to me, like, it, especially because it's part of my job, like if I don't feel qualified to help somebody I'm seeing, like I damn well better. In fact, I'm like obligated. If I don't and some harm comes to them, that's on me for sure. I could be sued. So I guess operating from that standpoint of like, to me, in order to be qualified to help with something, I have to know my limits. To me, says the 12-step world is kind of out of its scope or realm to begin with. Well, and I guess back to what Caroline said, like every treatment center that I went to always recommended some sort of outside counseling when I left that treatment center. 
None of them said, you're good, just go to 12-step meetings. They all recommended some sort of, you know, drug. And I guess for me, this was the difference. They always said drug counseling. So in my hearing of that statement meant this is something that I just go to for drugs, you know. I guess I would expect a therapist to help me break down. Like maybe if I had continued in drug therapy, I would expect someone to help me get into the trauma and all that stuff. But I was unwilling at that point. You, you made another point that I found kind of fascinating when like one of your defenses for our debate right there was that all this stuff with the trauma and the harm and the, the nervous system is all really new and not as worldwide or spread as older information is, which I think is a really valid point. And yet it brings up the question for me, if all this is the new research and we do believe it and we do think research is right, then why aren't we changing and adapting to the new information that's the problem it's not that there is new information it's like okay well if we accept that why aren't we doing something a little different that we know could be more useful because it's so slow <laughs> yeah <laughs> we i mean i think we are at a turning point about understanding addiction it just takes so much so maybe this podcast will help move it along and it's a just like tolerance towards you know medicated assisted treatment i mean slowly i'm seeing that attitude change at least in the 12-step people that I am around you know what I mean like in this immediate area a lot of the people doing the harm reduction work in this community are narcotics anonymous based 12-step people and so that is a huge shift from earlier on in my recovery when that just was totally unacceptable you know what I mean it was legal drug dealing and all this other stuff so there is a shift I don't know specifically I mean maybe there's points of the program itself we could pick apart but as far as the fellowship most of this is just loose ideas of a group of people trying to come together to help one another and there's so many different people that have so many different needs and so many different issues that it's hard to design a specific program to deal with you know childhood abuse sexual abuse mental health uh some sort of mental actual mental defects you know like all those different things to have just a general free program that would address specifically every single one of those seems a little and difficult. i think i think there is a little bit more responsibility on sponsors than there is on the group the part of the program that's not even official <laughs> i i mean i i feel like it's pretty official in in well, the literature says it's not official in nature. I, and I don't know about other areas. It's right. very official in this, in this area, in Narcotics Anonymous. But I do feel like like there's there a, a key part of being a good sponsor is having humility and recognizing when my experience isn't going to be enough for someone and being able to say that. But I can't recognize that when I can't realize that my experience isn't even enough for me yet because I haven't gone and gotten the information to realize that the way I'm handling shit by yelling at my kids is wrong. So the difference I think for me is like I've given horrible advice to people as a sponsor early in recovery. With a year or two clean, I can specifically remember telling people like you shouldn't go to more than one program. Or if you do go to multiple programs, you can only have one sponsor. 
And I don't know, I mean, there isn't anything in any Narcotics Anonymous literature anywhere that says anything remotely fucking close to any of that opinion that I had. So for me, I take personal responsibility for having that opinion. I don't blame the group or some friend of mine that spouted some bullshit for me adopting that opinion or point of view. That's my responsibility that I gave that bad information. And it's I, I sometimes feel like that's something that you kind of assimilate to the group's attitude. And to me, that was my bad lack of knowledge and information. I Like, I didn't have a right to say that shit. It was based in nothing. You know, it was no personal experience whatsoever. So in NA, isn't it more common that people are sponsoring before they complete the 12-step process? 100%. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, but I would say that is your personal experience. Your personal experience was you went to one program and had one sponsor. You were definitely, definitely sharing your personal experience with them about how it had to be done because you believed that it had to be done. Oh, yeah, but now I would say I've never done that. I don't really know. Or if I had even went to some other, like I hadn't even ever went to fucking other, I mean, I've been to occasionally been to an AA meeting, I think, in treatment when I was made but I hadn't even really went to other programs. I, I understand that, but you were doing what you were told when you came in and what you believed was working for you. You were sharing that information. And my question would be, why are we putting people in a position to share really shitty information that they got early on as, I don't want to say leaders, but like when I got here and had two days clean, the guy with a year was a fucking hero and I was going to listen to whatever he said and why are we putting him in a position of that as a sponsor, like, it just, you were sharing your experience. You didn't do anything wrong there. You did exactly what would be expected of you. The problem was you should have never been in that position. Mm, I don't know. You shouldn't I mean, have been I, dishing out advice. I don't agree. <laughs> like, I, I, I mean, I don't know how else you would give a free program out to people to share their experience. Like, that's the foundation of the program is we share our experience, strength, and hope. We grow. We make mistakes. We support each other. Like, that's the whole basis of what we do. Uh, well, maybe that shouldn't be the default. I mean, way therapists to treat give this, bad information all the time. There's all kinds of horrible therapy methods there that in the last is. couple of years. If I pick the wrong fucking guy out of the phone book, he could have me want to kill myself in a month. And I'm paying that fucker. Right. And you it's can see very that. hard, very hard to find good therapists as well. It's very hard. There's not, you know, like. Oh, especially when you get into insurance and all that crap. Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. Um, what I was going to say is I think I think you guys are both making fair points, but it's a lesser of evils. So if if we do so, the the inherent issue with having this non-professional service where a bunch of non-professionals are doing their best to help people who potentially have really significant issues or trauma, the downside is damage can be done. And I've seen that. I mean, I had a friend who who was gay and was told by his sponsor that like. Um, being gay is an abomination abomination yes and um you know that he needed to pray about it like Oof. like that's really bad information mm-hmm. um yeah. so bad things can but it's happen it's that guy's experience <laughs> was it though yeah. was he gay no <laughs> no but it was an experience with it being wrong that's what he was told that's all he knew it's a belief I mean, I don't know if that's Yeah, I don't know that it's experience. But, yeah. but uh, the experience would be if he had been gay and he was able to pray it away and found happiness. But his experience <laughs> was, I've been other things that are wrong and I've prayed them away. Mm-hmm. Or he knew somebody who was gay and it was bad. How applicable is, like how broadly applicable is, is a specific experience. I, right. Uh, regardless, I think, so that's the risk. 
But the other side is we we do away with all of these kind of community based programs, these free programs that are widely available to so many people. And then all of the responsibility falls on on the professional services and there's not enough. Or mm-hmm. or this is another place where to continue doing the lesser of two evils keeps us from finding something that actually works way better. Like maybe if we can all agree, oh, okay, maybe there are some fucking places in this program where it's a little goofy. Maybe we can go in and either change that or we can go in and make it something else. Maybe we can adjust it and adapt it to where we do have people. Maybe it becomes a nonprofit where like we teach people exactly how to, to run a small group meeting. And that's what we do from now on. And it's much more effective because we don't give out bad information. Like sometimes sticking with what so far has worked keeps you from opening up to something that works greater. Yeah, but I think that and just to roll roll back around to tolerance, like that's all what tolerance like now we're understanding things, let's say, in the community with our laws. Like we realize we have a lot of racist drug laws that don't work very well. Well, you know, what what do I do with that sort of stuff? Do I work towards a solution, you know, or do I just, you know, violate the laws and do whatever I want and suffer the consequences of that. I think it's the same within like 12 step groups. Like as a member of the group, I can work towards change. I can work towards having these discussions with people about things like medicated assisted treatment or, or whatever other of these ideas that we might need to come around and change. But I'm not going to do that if I just get pissed off and run away and I'm not willing to have conversations or engage with people in some of these things that I think should be changed. The other side of tolerance is if I don't get a seat at the table, I'm never going to have any influence over, you know, any sort of change or progression or whatever. If everything that I disagree with, I just run away back to my home and ignore and, well, I'm not going to talk to those people because they're assholes. And I'm not going to talk to these people because they're assholes. And I'm not going to talk to these people because they're assholes. Then who's going to do the work to try to change the things that need to be changed? Point number one, that is like the third time I've heard you bring us back to tolerance, and thank you so much. (laughs) We are way off of it, and you keep bringing it back, and I love it. Thank you. Thank you. No, you're doing great. Um, Point number two, I agree with almost everything except the pissed off part, because being pissed off, the point of being angry is to set a boundary. It's to say, nope, you're hurting people or me. Stop that shit right the fuck now, and then it goes away. So I don't don't think, I think we are supposed to get pissed off a little bit when things are wrong. My wife would agree. She says that's where a lot of, like, activism Yeah, it has. To. It has to. That's the off. energy. So, right. Yeah, so, but agree. yeah, running home is not the the, the thing that's going to help. I totally agree with that. And this is my seat at the table. And I am finally at 42 years old accepting the fact of my fucking role in the world. I was the problem child in my family home, right? And what that means from a family therapy standpoint is I was the person that was not willing to tolerate all the underlying dysfunction that was going on. And so I spoke up, right? Which did not go well for my childhood. That's still who the fuck I am. When I see something that feels like injustice or unfairness or people being wronged, I fucking speak up. I am a mouthpiece. I am a guy who's going to get in your organization if you hire me, and I'm going to point out where all the shit that is wrong is that fucking bothers me and feels wrong. That's just who I am, and I'm tired of apologizing for it. Right? I don't want to. At 42, this is my role. And look, you play a really important role, too. You're the guy that keeps us from doing all the fucking crazy shit that I think we need to switch to, right? Like, I think both of us play a really important role, and I just, I accept mine. What's like, my this role? is mine. Where's, where's, where's well, it? and again, it just, I, I'm the guy speaking up about it here so that people start thinking about it more so that the right. fucking fellowship changes. That's my goal. Yes, I want to keep talking about it. And I guess the, I want to 
link tolerance with yeah, humility yeah. in the <laughs> in the way that like it requires me to have some humility to go into some meetings and express my opinion you know it's a in my home group or at an area service level or whatever to say like hey what do we think about you know possibly doing this different or what do we think about changing the way that that we're approaching this particular subject you know i need to be understanding that some people are going to be stuck to this idea that this is just the way we've always done it, mm-hmm. and so that's what we're going to keep doing. And I just slowly, with compassion and understanding, and hopefully from a loving place, try to change that way. Like, I, I yeah. guess I worry that just running out and screaming at people how fucking stupid they are and how <laughs> dumb this is, you know, doesn't work as good. Yeah. I mean, it's the flies no, with right. honey you're kind right. of thing, and that's been my approach. Recently, you know, a thing came up with, you know, my wife and I are, try to keep this vague but there's an organization in the area that wants to put on a big recovery event right here in elkton that is sort of anti-harm reduction which is against a lot of the things that voices of hope does it's a lot against a lot of what mainstream science is starting to think hey this is how we connect people to recovery so like there's a lot of information that says harm reduction is a good thing and yet there's this community in a part of the, our recovery community that is very anti-harm reduction. And so her immediate thing, like my immediate response to her was, oh, well, are you going to go? Are you going to send somebody from your organization to go? And she's like, fuck no, you know? And so I was able to talk to her about this idea of like, hey, we should go. I was like, I'll go with you. We'll go hear what they have to say. We'll listen to their points of view. I don't think that they're going to convert me to an anti-harm reductionist, you know, and if nothing else, it shows, like, respect for them. It shows a sort of, of compassion, a understanding, like, hey, we're willing to have a con- – if you want to have a legitimate conversation about some of these subjects, we can come here and be reasonable people that can have a reasonable conversation about maybe why some of your ideas are not so great. <laughs> Billy, if you come back here talking about fuck needle exchange, we're voting you <laughs> off the podcast. I'm just telling you. <laughs> don't don't get brainwashed. I'll probably be single too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess just back to the to NA thing, like or I'll say twelve step thing. I have I am starting to see changes within the community. Are they slow and cumbersome and maybe not as progressive as we need? Yes. But if I just get frustrated and fed up and walk away, it's never going to get to where we need to go. No, absolutely. And and the way you laid that out of how you're trying to show up for these people who aren't open to the idea of change right now is how I feel like I'm trying to work on people slowly over time mm-hmm. through this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Just let me just keep presenting it in enough different ways to where one of them like kind of starts to sink in and make a little sense. Like, and, and yeah, I, I am the guy who's out there like, ah, fuck it. We all need to just stop working and just do what we want, live in our backyards or something. And and I need people like you to be like, Jason, I don't think you're going to be happy doing that either. Like, I'm not going to have a backyard if I don't start working soon. Right, so. right, right. So it's, it's, uh, we, we need all of us people uh and i guess i'm just more embracing the fact that i i'm supposed to come here and get a little feisty and wired up about this like yeah. like 20 minutes ago my fucking nervous system was lit the fuck up i literally <laughs> thought i was gonna have to walk outside like i was trembling inside i was that's why i was like we were still sitting having a conversation but i could tell i was like jesus christ i am like really activated by this conversation i, I don't know it's just interesting but that's that's my role and see i think <laughs> 
though that's what helps like it helps sometimes i have to recognize that stuff too like i i've learned to recognize in myself like once i get to a point of being like defensive and argumentative my tolerance goes way down and almost out the window and so i've learned that about myself even in like stuff with my wife like if we're talking about marriage issues or whatever like in all these areas like once my defenses start to go up and my nervous system gets way up my tolerance goes right out the fucking window and sometimes there is a need for me to say to her hey we need to stop for a couple minutes i gotta like get my shit together or you're being a little bit attacking like i need you to kind of back off because i'm getting too defensive you know and and i'm not going to hear anything that the fuck you have to say once i'm in that super defensive place and and going back to that polyvagal theory episode we did right that is the nervous system so all spiritual principles are going to be higher level thinking they're all Mm -hmm. concepts and ideals that like a typical animal or mammal based in the world is not going to you know, ascend towards. They're not working to try to be like honest in the fucking world. My dog is very tolerant of my puppy. I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. <laughs> so, so like these are all going to take prefrontal cortex level thinking in order mm. to enact. And when the nervous system gets activated, there is no conversation with your prefrontal cortex anymore. There is no higher level thinking. So yes, anytime you get uh, defensive is a word we will use. That's yeah. a survival skill right that's something that comes from a survival place in your brain you're not going to have access to tolerance or love or or anything open-mindedness willingness they all go away when we get activated in our nervous system yeah and i think in recovery they always described it as the the halt hungry angry angry lonely tired right like for me those are are all indicators like on those days like if i know i slept four hours last night my tolerance is going to be off that day. Like, and I, it's, it's important for me to be aware of that, like my ability to tolerate bad drivers or, you know, people disagreeing with me at work is going to be way different if I'm not taking care of my physical and emotional needs. You know, I'm, I'm not in a good place to be tolerant. That acronym was super helpful to me in the beginning because yeah. it, it was like one of those early steps towards mindfulness. Mm. Like, oh, I should pay attention to if I'm angry or lonely. I think 12-step programs, this would make me a lot happier. If we had some introductory video, right, that you sat down and watched that taught you about nervous system states and what they felt like and how in them you're probably not going to be able to just practice, air quotes, uh, these principles. You're not going to be a better person and, like, ways to calm nervous system triggering that you can start practicing. If we had that as, like, a sort of disclaimer to understand better when we're falling short on practice in our program, I would love that. I feel like that would take so much shame off of people in our program. I'm totally down with your video idea. Let's do it. Um, <laughs> Here we go. We're going to do an introduction to 12 steps. It. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do it. Um, Listen to this before you start your fucking recovery journey. This is important. Right. Hey, we'll that's actually disclaimer. genius. Let's do that. We'll, we'll get product yeah. producing right away. But can we go back to the word practice? No. So. <laughs> Of course, we can. <laughs> that's not tolerant. Right? <laughs> <laughs> so, the twelve steps want us wants us to practice the spiritual principles. That doesn't mean do it perfectly right away, because don't we learn more by fucking up? Like, yes. so, you know, like start toying with the idea of tolerance, and you are going to mess up and realize it, and then you will know. Then you will know your level. So, you know, in defense of the twelve steps, they don't say, "All right, let's go perfect the." Spiritual principles, they say practice. They don't, but to beat up on the 12 steps again, <laughs> one of my beefs with these these spiritual principles is that every month I search the basic, the basic text, 
which is, you know, Narcotics Anonymous uh, main literature. Uh, I usually end up looking through It Works How and Why, which is another piece of literature from Narcotics Anonymous. And this month I even did the Step Working Guide because I was grasping at strolls. And they mention spiritual principles by name many, many, many times. It's beautiful how many times they mention them. And yet they don't say a fucking thing about them. Every sentence is, you'll be amazed that you have more tolerance than you had before when you show up in this place at the step eight. Or uh, when we practice tolerance in this situation that's going wrong, it'll do this. And it's like, it never fucking gives you any tips about what that looks like, how to, things that might get in the way of being able to. Like, there's like literally fucking nothing about how to practice it. So it's just name dropping. Yeah, basically. I think that's on purpose, though. I, I, I agree. And we had that discussion. And I don't. I think you're right, and yet at the same time, it gives Not us helpful. nothing. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, yeah. at least throw some real general loose ideas in there to have yeah. something to start with, you know? That bothers yeah. me. That, I don't know. That would be helpful. I mean, and I, well, don't they do that a little more at the end of It Works How and Why? There's a section about spiritual principles. I'd have to read a little deep. That's the only one that I know specifically gives you, right. like, a spiritual principle and some direction. But that's getting very specific into Narcotics Anonymous literature. I don't and, know that that carries across other 12-step programs. And that's that's only in the tradition section of It Works How and Why. And the step working guides does have a section in each step about spiritual principles at the end of each step, too. So... They're there, and yet they still don't really say much about right. what it looks like, how to start. And I feel like as a program based on the idea that spiritual principles are going to make our life better as we replace our character defects with them, not telling you how to do any of them is a weird fucking way to explain it. Yeah, and I mean, another important thing to kind of piggyback off what Jenny was saying, too, is like, I am never going to do any of these perfectly, you know, as much as I can come on here and talk this fucking good game about how tolerant and understanding I am of everyone's ideas. On any given day, I'm like yelling at something on the radio that I heard or Driver. mad at somebody at work that has a different opinion than me, you know, and got to cut you off in the car. Right. Like all that stuff. So these are all things that I am consistently trying to pay attention to and work on. And it's like the nuances are what help, like realizing like, oh shit, I only got four hours of sleep last night. No wonder my tolerance is way off today. Maybe I ought to just walk through this day kind of tiptoeing through, hoping not to get in any conversations with people about shit I don't agree with because I'm probably going to say things I regret later. <laughs> or from a therapy standpoint, instead of just ignoring that part of you that doesn't feel well that day and trying to push it aside, even though that's a good place to start. Like, okay, I don't want to take it out on Jenny or Caroline, right, that I'm having a rough morning. But maybe I could even go further and like tend to that part of myself, right? Like like the parent that never showed up. Like <laughs> like, damn, Billy, what do you need today? Is it a hug? Is it a hot tea? Is it a little more to eat? Is it a little more rest? Like what can that ideal version of a parent show up and try to comfort that piece of you that's not feeling well that day? Like that's the you know, I don't know. Self care. Yeah. The self care part. That's that's the part that might help heal it instead of just getting through it or managing it, I guess. Right. To where you might not need to in the future as much. We have a quiz. We do have a quiz, and we've also got some tips, and, and maybe we should start getting into that. Let me try to race through these. These are apparently eight tips. They're from the website, Chopra.com. I don't know. Sounds buddhist <laughs> Sounds, yeah. Sounds buddhist so I'm, I'm going to be inclined to believe that all these are actually f real and factual, just without <laughs> any verification. Uh, it says, own your feelings. Um, when something bothers you about somebody else, it's good to remember that it is bothering you. The other person may not even be aware of your feelings, let alone be prepared to change because of them. 
Good point. Uh, look within. Check your ego. Meditate. We'll always mm. say meditate. We had an episode on that. Yeah. Remember, change is imminent. The universe is always changing, always happening. And as such, everything has its moment to be. You also can change from one moment to the next. This dynamism can be seen as a blessing when cultivating tolerance. Uh, use your power. Keep perspective. And practice patience, hmm. which it also doesn't tell you, tell you how to do it. <laughs> um, apparently, there's a secret to being an exceptionally tolerant person. And one of the things that stood out to me about this idea of being tolerated is not a fun experience on the other side of it. Like we talk a lot about tolerance and tolerating people, and yet the experience of being tolerated is actually pretty shitty. It makes you feel pretty awful about yourself. Um, so going back to this idea that we kind of raised when we first started trying to define tolerance, that like being tolerant is not about putting up with people, right? It's about entering every interaction with an open heart and mind. Hmm. It's a whole different concept. It's much bigger. It's more like unconditional love, which does bring me back to this idea of like, do we even have different spiritual principles? Or are they all just really versions of this one thing we're practicing? This, <laughs> this open spirit of lovingness and compassion and empathy towards people. Like, is that really the only spiritual principle that is real? Yeah, I think that definitely starting at the, unco- again, my understanding of unconditional love is more in line with that. Like I'm approaching the world with an open mind and an open heart, and I start at a place of love, and then I build out these specific skills needed, you know, in different situations, tolerance being one where people have things that I don't agree with or maybe even ideas that I find offensive and how do I want to deal with those things? I think this is what it is. I think this is what I, I'm seeing is the, the, the disconnect for me. I think these were ideas that before we had a real understanding of what was going on for people, which in my mind we do now, maybe we don't, but in my mind we do. In my mind, the research says people are hurt, they get behaviors modeled for them and then they turn out that way like that's just how the fuck it works right that, and again that's not like fucking verified information that's what i believe but i think spiritual principles like you said you like start with this unconditional love idea and build out to these specific skill sets to me that sounds like how you would design a program to solve our problem of acting on character defects if you didn't understand that all the acting on character defects came from a place of being hurt when you were younger. Like if you didn't understand character defects to actually be coping skills, covering up ways you are still in pain, then yes, you would design this program of like, well, let's attack these skills by putting the opposites in their place. That'll just fix everything, right? But when you kind of start to understand that there's actually pain underneath of it, well, the solution then just becomes healing the pain. And then unconditional love is the only one you need because when you have that spirit, you don't actually need minor skill sets to handle each individual thing. You just come with the right spirit. Yeah, and that's trying to go back a long way. (laughs) But I think, I don't know that I connected those dots in that way, but I sort of was given the message that my character defects were my coping skills for life in the basic gist of my first round through the steps i don't know that i connected it back to trauma and you know that was conditioned from my childhood i don't know that i made that connection but i did have someone explain to me like these these character defects are your coping mechanisms for life that don't fucking work by the way (laughs) (laughs) so i yeah, we should do the quiz. I like the quiz idea. I do want to thank you guys for having, uh, I really feel the grace of everyone's tolerance today. So thank you for tolerating me. We don't have to do the quiz no, if I you want to keep a, talking. I want to do a quiz. Doggy style. Okay. <laughs> We're doing a quiz. It's nine questions. 
I'll send you the link so you can put it in the show notes. All right, folks. You have suggested an initiative at work, but no one has signed up for it. You, A, wish you hadn't mentioned anything because some people are choosing not to speak to you. B, organize a meeting so that you can explain to everyone what your intentions are. C, let it go. People are too self-absorbed to take any notices. Or D, talk to people individually to persuade them and succeed in getting all the signatures you need. What about E, withdraw and hate everybody and assume they all hate me? That's or I was yeah. going to say E, withdraw oh, and then C? talk about all those people behind yeah. their back. Yeah, yeah, they're all shitty. That's included <laughs> in there. Get a there, different yeah. workplace. What was C again then? C, let it go. People are too self-absorbed to take any notices. Oh, no, no, no. No, I'm definitely not letting it go. Mm. I'm E. I'm like completely in my lower nervous system, disconnected, withdrawn, not answering text messages. Like, fuck all those people. They don't like me. Yeah, but that, I mean, C is, it's let it go, but not from a healthy place. It's like, let it go because these people are Oh, let the, let the action go. Yeah. Yeah, okay. like you're dropping yeah. the initiative and you have a resentment. Yeah. Oh, that's me. That's totally me. I'm going with D. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, yeah, I would say probably D. Uh, D too. That's my manipulative self. I'll, I'll get what I need. So I don't even know how to rate this. Who are we going to go with? We don't have really consensus. I guess that all three were D. Yeah, yeah. Uh, go, only... with, go with the consensus. Okay. Right, next question. But that does explain why y'all don't understand me. <laughs> Very deeply. But uh, nobody actually, else I... would just go home and cry and say, fuck those people. I think I understand. I think I follow you. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't pipe up, but no, I'm just, no, you know, it's, I'm just it's taking cool. it in. I think I understand. Um, all right, two. You are queuing up to see a film. This is, I think this is this in must English. Be British, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you are queuing up to see a film when your friend criticizes <laughs> Woody Allen. You love, his, uh, you love his films. You, A, find their remarks very interesting and start to see the director in a new light. B, listen carefully before giving your point of view. C, let them have their say but secretly wish you could give them a slap. D, get, get in a temper and leave. None of those. I'm not going to listen very carefully, and I'm going to give my point of view. <laughs> I mean, this is a really tough one, because Woody Allen is not the most well-liked uh, person. Yeah. He's controversial. <sighs> what do you think, Billy? I'm going to go to... Immediately, I went to like, oh, <laughs> art stuff is so way over my head. I usually don't have any opinions about art stuff, because I'm an idiot when it comes to the interpretations of art. <laughs> I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm yeah. a listener. You're a listener. You're yeah. not an idiot. Yeah, I listen. Um, I know what my strong suits are in interpreting art. Like, I look at a picture, you know, a weird-looking piece of fruit. I'm mm. like, it looks like a, my seven-year-old did that and messed it up. <laughs> like, <laughs> I probably am not. I'm going to cut them off. Like, I just know myself. So hmm. Okay. I don't know. I think I would probably listen to their – I would probably get persuaded because I tend to forget that Woody Allen slept with his stepdaughter and married her. I don't know. I mean, Woody Allen's stepdaughter also slept with her stepfather. We We don't say that portion of it. Just saying. Well, she, was she a child when this started, though? 14. We, oh, think. okay, never mind. I yeah. completely withdrew my statement. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops. Like didn't know all the facts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> my bad. Um, yeah, he's a douche. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, I'm not slapping anybody. Most people were B. B, okay. Thanks. I thought A was listen. No. Find their marks and see the director in a new light. A was getting per- get persuaded carefully. by their opinions. I mean, I'm open to it. Like, if if I don't know, like like just now, I didn't know she was 14, right? I'm open to y'all giving me new <laughs> right. information and being like, oh, wait a minute, my fucking opinion is wrong. Never mind. So I I'm I'm a A, I think. Not that I'm definitely going to be persuaded, but I'm open to what they're saying. This is you listen carefully and you see. You okay. Know, you find their remarks interesting and start to see them in a new light. So okay. Like, Go with B then. See them in a new light doesn't mean you're buying it. You're right. Just you might be like, oh, God, this person's opinions like, okay. suck. Why have I been seeing <laughs> movies with them? I got to get out of this queue. 
<laughs> Sorry. All, All right. right. What's Number next? three. Your partner wants to go on holiday to Iceland, but you want to go to Morocco. How do you resolve this? A. Decide that Iceland's a great idea after all. B. Discuss it, each of you describing what you'd like to do. C. Debate it at length, trying to put your point of view across. D. Decide to go to Morocco, whether your partner is in agreement with you or not. E. Put that bitch in the randomizer. (laughs) (laughs) I would be B. I'm a B. Discuss it. All right. You know what, though? Admittedly, though, I can probably see, try to persuade. Like, yeah, I want to say I'm a B, but I probably would be C. Oh, we got two C's. I'm probably going to try to persuade while I discuss it. Yeah. I mean, I can I can discuss it, but I'm going to try my to get way. my That's way. That's why we're discussing <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. See, it is. I don't even think B. Is but like traveling, option. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'll fucking go anywhere, especially places I've right? never been. Like, I don't care. Would it be a B? Mm-hmm. I could too. Honestly, I don't really care that much. <laughs> what is tolerance? Oh my. A, is it holding out your hand to others? B, is it the ability to listen? C, an open door? Or D, is it taking a firm line? B. I don't think any of those are mutually exclusive. No. I could definitely take a firm line and still listen and be open. Mm. That's a shitty question. I was. Go- I if I had to pick B, one, I would say B. That would, for me, that's yeah. what I, I was going to go with. Ability B. to listen. Go with that. I like A. I wouldn't have come up with A on my own, but I like <laughs> it. Maybe my instinct probably would have been more B. B. It is. It's one in the morning, and a noisy party is still going on next door. You, A, keep quiet about it for the sake of peace. B, go join them. <laughs> C. Go and remind them what time it is. D, circulate a petition to the whole block of flats to get the noisy neighbors evicted. Holy shit. Yeah, wow. <laughs> Call, the, Call the police. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would tolerate it for a little bit. We have that periodically. And usually I'm mm-hmm. like, all right, I'll give a reasonable amount of time. <laughs> oh, if it's like after 10, I'm calling the cops. What do they call the police in the in Britain? Don't they have a name? The Paddy? Fuzz? I don't know. Oh, no, I thought they had a special name. Mm. Police. The Bobbies. Mm-hmm. Oh, that might be it. Yeah. Anyway. Their um, sirens sound different. God, what was A and B? I know it wasn't A was keep quiet about it for the sake of peace. B, go join them. Which is what I thought a, Jason, I would, Jason would say. A. <laughs> uh, a, keep quiet about it for the sake of peace. And that yeah. is what I do. My neighbors still party. Yeah, I would be A. And they wake me up and I'm like, Ugh, fuckers. But then. Is that because you know they would know it was you? I don't know. I think. I'm really stuck in a place. I know my neighbors are sick people. And I'm just like, well, this is how they are. I used to be the same way. I kind of go that way. Yeah. Well, we had to deal with that a lot when we were doing, like, the campground stuff. And usually I would tolerate it. And then if there were people that I saw, I would go talk to them when they were not drunk. You know? And be like, hey, you guys Mm -hmm. are up too late being too loud. I got kids. Can you keep that shit down? (laughs) Yeah. It's that sake of peace, though. Like, so, you know... I just like. But is it peace? I mean, how do you know your kids aren't highly disturbed by being woken up by that regularly? Yeah, I don't know. And how do you know they're not taking that to mean, oh, this is just acceptable and we should yeah. tolerate it the rest of our lives, too? Now, I did go over. So one of their guests ran over we something in our. Like our, I thought you were going to say like your cat or something. Oh, no. <laughs> an inanimate object. Okay. And like one of their guests were intoxicated and ran over a piece of our property. And, like, and I went over. I was like, yo. I was like, we're, we're cool, you know, but when this happens, we're not cool. And he's like, I'm really sorry, Miss Jenny. You know, like, so I kind of, 
I don't know, scared him for the next couple months, I guess, until it happens again. <laughs> does does the Buddhism talk any bit about the idea that when you don't do what's best for you in that situation, how it cultivates a negative feeling towards the person because you're not actually addressing the pieces that they're bothering? I'm sure somewhere in there you could... Okay. Patch a little story to, to match right, that. Right, yeah. Dave's probably got one about, <laughs> yeah, a, right. about a fig yeah. leaf or something. <laughs> right. yeah, I, like I think right. the Buddhist recovery community does want back. you to stick right, up right. for yourself. Yeah. I just, uh, thinking of that idea, like I, I just personally believe we should always be doing what's best for us and that mm. will turn into what's best for everybody at some point, right? So like yeah. maybe what's best for you is calling the cops and maybe what's best for them is getting in trouble with the law to find treatment. I don't know. Like I'm not saying it is for sure, yeah. but... I well, here's also my experience for the police in Cecil County is mm. you call them and they're going to come maybe in the morning like two hours drive later. by. Right. And like, I mean, my neighbors have had the cops called on them so many times. You. So I know that's not an effective right. solution. Right. So it's not even that's on the table. Um, so, yeah, it's keeping the peace. It's almost it's political. It's like, all right, so I could piss them off now. I'm not really worried about them retaliating, you know, but um, I just don't think it'll do any good. My solution to this was just to buy a shit ton of properties so that I would move. no one's yeah. parties <laughs> bother me at all yeah. anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Quiz. I, <laughs> Quiz. All right. So what are we doing? We're going to keep quiet about it? Or go yeah, remind was... them what time it is? No, we're all keeping quiet. I think that's what everybody's okay. saying. Mostly. It's a short I don't know quiz. what I would do, a. honestly. Whatever A was. We call the cops. I know that. 100%. Mm-hmm. But, 100%. but you've got that big property, so I, I don't, don't, worry about you don't have to worry. Well, I can't say yeah, never. I, have, I don't call the cops. I did call the cops. It depends. One night, maybe not. But if it's a regular happening, yeah. <laughs> if it's oh, a regular happening, yeah. But if it's yeah. once, you know, every couple of weeks or no, months, no, that's I'm regular, fine. Jenny. That's <laughs> oh. I mean once, like literally <laughs> once. <Okay. laughs> they get a freebie for me, <laughs> and then that's it. All right, so you're on a f- on the phone to a friend, and it's clear they are feeling depressed for no particular reason. You, A, you f- say you feel sorry for them, but offer to ring them back for a chat about it another time. Jeez. B, right, offer to go over for a chat. C, go over with a comedy to watch. D, take them to a party to cheer them up. I'm C, I'll probably bring a comedy. Come over and try to cheer them up. I mean, it wouldn't be party, of course, in recovery circle. I think meeting. So I would say probably D. Was it D? Was mm-hmm. take them to a party. Take them to, uh, a, probably, take them yeah. to a meeting. Take them to a yeah. party. Yeah. Or just get together. <laughs> hey, you want to go get something to eat? Or I you want to go hit up. a meeting? Or you want to, you know, get out? Like, to me, getting out is Man, good. you sound depressed, buddy. Why don't you come out to this whoopee party and we'll talk about our wives? <laughs> right. I'm sure that's the, the core of your problem anyway. Wait, whoopee parties are not about pie? <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing some version of of B, personally. It might not be go to their house. It might be pick them up and get coffee. It might be them come to me. But there's some version of me trying to talk to them, probably. Is offering a distraction like a comedy less than? I I think we should just laugh, I guess. To me, that's like dismissing of their feelings. It's the spiritual bypassing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Jenny got a F for that one. Caroline, <laughs> I'm gonna go with B. We need a buzzer. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Whoops, two in a Sooner row for me. That intolerance stamp. I'm too right. tolerant. <laughs> <sighs> All right, we're up to seven. You're abroad, and a local family invites you to share their meal. It's on a communal plate, and you all use your fingers. You, A, have a little bit to eat just to make them happy. B, are pleased to be participating in a local way of life. C, hope they've all washed their hands before eating. D, are glad that you don't have to eat like that every day. C. 
I'm C also. That so. doesn't even take into consideration whether I can eat this local fare somewhere else in the mm. world. Yeah. As a selective eater, that's kind of important. Sorry. Mm. I need to know this information. I'm assuming <laughs> I can eat it. I, I'm all in. Yeah, where's the yeah, option that's I'll like, you don't eat, eat because that's disgusting. And I think you that's know D. That you, you were with them an hour before. Oh, no, you D know they didn't that. wash their hands. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it depends on what it is. Yeah. This, it is. Like, this quiz is assuming we're people pleasers already. Like all the mm. options are you're going to please these people. Yeah. What's <laughs> the way you're going to do it? That's yeah, interesting. I might not eat it. I'm I definitely eat eating it. it. If I can eat it, I'm eating it. I would probably take from the part that like no one else had touched yet. I am literally bending over the table and taking the food off the tray with my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck it. Let's do this. So I'll just bury our heads in this plate. No, I, it just doesn't bother me. My hands aren't that clean. I don't give a fuck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm probably B or C, but you wouldn't touch it, Billy? Uh, I, I mean, it depends on what we were doing. Like, if it's at, like, a fair or something, that's one thing. But if we just all went, like, horseback riding or, like, we're at a farm or some mm-hmm. shit where I'm like, dude, this is gross. <laughs> <laughs> I get Why a little germophobic. Uh, because that's, I think that's right? Billy's upbringing. We live in the country. He's yeah, like, remember I when we got drunk around city, horses? Yeah. <laughs> remember when we used the horses, uh, you know, stuff? All right, next question. One of your friends is pregnant, but continues to have the odd cigarette. You, A, don't want to upset her, so you steer clear of the subject. Mm. B, suggest trying relaxation techniques instead. C, put together some information for her on the dangers of, of the dangers for the fetus of smoking during pregnancy. <sighs> D, find her behavior so unacceptable that you don't feel you can see her anymore. All right, here's None my fail. Here's my fail. Here's my urn. Okay. <laughs> I see a person that was pregnant. Uh, the, the, the baby's here at this point, but they they smoked during their pregnancy lightly, and yet they made the comment in session like, you know, I have my cigarette here and there, but that's not bad for him, and I totally let it go. I didn't fucking challenge it or nothing, mm. and that is so unlike me, and I knew it, and I was like, oh. But you were in your professional role. It's not your job to manage It's totally my job. Is it? Okay. Absolutely. I mean, if how can I see something in somebody's life that I know is unhealthy and not give them at least the factual information about it? Hmm. Like, that's a disservice. And I, I won't name any names. I was married to someone who smoked during <laughs> their pregnancies. <laughs> <laughs> I would assume... I would assume that the person already knows and is struggling with it and probably doesn't need me to flash it up in their face mm. if they brought it up. I would probably do the relaxation suggestion. Mm. But so what's the I, yeah, I wouldn't bring options? it up myself. I mean, I can tell you exactly what I did was made my argument, got pissed off about it, and then let it go. That was your baby, though, so that's yes. a different... I have a funny story. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't have to be the one to stop smoking, because I don't think I could have. Right. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Um, I just think I, I, fortunately, I quit I don't before judge. I got pregnant. <laughs> um, so it wasn't an issue. So back when I was a drinker, um, I went to the uh, one of the local bars, and the bartender was pregnant. And then her there was a big chalkboard and all the regular patrons were, it was like a fundraiser, like you pay a dollar to guess the weight. And so they had like, whatever, like five through 10 with all the ounces there too. And you'd sign up for a name, pay a dollar. And then the dollar went to like her baby shower fund or something like that. Well, she's smoking. She's a bartender. And this is, I guess she was smoking in the bar. Could we still smoke in bars then? Um, and I was just laughing at all the low birth weight. <laughs> like all the people who like wow. had bought tickets for like the low birth weight. <laughs> wow. Not a lot of 10 pound baby guesses. Like <laughs> Jesus. And, and look, that's our society though. Mm-hmm. We'll all know and nobody says nothing. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And that's. Was I she mean, little though? Because I feel it. 
Uh, she was full on pregnant. No, no, no. no. I mean, like, was frame. she a big woman or oh. a little woman? Oh, she is on the taller side. Yeah. Okay. But actually, I might not even remember it closely. Like, I might have restructured that in my head because it's so funny to all the low birth weight <laughs> votes. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Jenny just picked a low birth weight with her entry. Oh, I didn't <laughs> even was play. Like, I was like, I, I, it kind of, it's super judgy, but it kind of disgusts me. Like, I mean, lucky me, I quit smoking before I had, you know, my babies. But well, this quiz just made me depressed. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the ninth question? <laughs> One <laughs> more. Okay. Um, Hopefully, it's happier. Okay. <laughs> Can we not talk about rainbows and unicorns? The end. You take rainbows and unicorns mm. to Disneyland for a day. <laughs> <laughs> How do you tolerate it? This is an interesting one. Of the following, what is the most important thing in life? Knowing how to be conciliatory? Conciliatory? God, I'm going to have to look that word up. Respect? Knowing when to trust people? Or having a strong character? What is the most important thing in life? Having a strong character. Conciliatory means to get along with people. Intended or likely to placate or pacify. Oh, that's a little different than getting along. Yeah. Yeah. That was what... Knowing how to placate, respect, knowing when to trust people, having a strong character. Respect. Mm. I'm going to go with respect as well. Really? Mm. I don't even think respect's a real word. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean like... In that context, it's the best And it's not a placating respect. It's about like... I see you, I see you, I see you. You know, like we're all individuals. Right. That kind of respect. Mm. Right. Like you have a right to exist and have an opinion. I have a right to exist and have opinion, you know. Is that what respect no means? When this context, out of those four words that I get to pick from, what yes. the other one? <laughs> That's the way I'm D? interpreting it there. C is knowing when to trust people. I kind of like that. And D is having a strong character. I kind of like that. But what I think of when I think of strong character isn't like somebody who's loud and takes over the room. It's integrity. It, it's somebody who like knows who they are and does that regularly. Like they're right. they're consistent. They show up the same pretty much all the time. Well, I put that on me. I don't necessarily put that on other people. What is the most important thing in life? Yeah, I mean, it doesn't say in your life. It just says in life. So yeah, and 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 some of these definitions work for me of respect, even though I don't think the idea is real but do regard for the feelings wishes rights or traditions of others i like that feeling of deep admiration for someone or something elicited by their abilities qualities or achievements i don't like that yeah i don't like that one should not be about their abilities qualities or achievements just be okay i'll agree i'll consent (laughs) i'll tolerate you guys picking fucking long episode yeah Uh, anyway yeah your your result you're a good listener you listen to others without judging them. Is that you what that was about? An excellent it was for tolerance. Well, this is your level. Oh, you know, like this is what they're. I'm not going to read you the whole paragraph. What if I can tolerate was... things more when I hear them than I can visually? Like, what if I have a hard time tolerating <laughs> visual disturbances in my environment, but not audio disturbances? I wonder if that relates to how you learn. I feel like mine is actually the opposite. I feel like I struggle with audio disturbances in my environment, whereas video disturbances or like people moving doesn't bother me as much. It still hmm. bothers me though. Sometimes when I listen to like Dharma talks, I have to shut my eyes because I just want to listen because I can't have too much visual distraction. Sometimes when my kids are talking to me, I can't think. <laughs> it's like mm. too many fucking words or yeah. something. Yeah, <laughs> I know. My brain. Well, that's won't. sort of what I thought mm-hmm. with tolerance is sometimes I hear stuff in the moment, like I have to like almost walk away from a conversation or be separated from something to like the next day to sort of fully like 
process. Yeah, like process and make sense of it, especially yeah, when I'm like talking with that. the wife or the kids and there's a lot of emotion involved. When I can step back out of some of the emotion and like, all right, let's think about what she was actually saying without all the emotion attached to it. It allows me to, to mm-hmm. be more tolerant. Without the nervous system activation. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Is it? Anybody got anything else? Yes, Thomas? I do. Oh, so okay. one thing that so um, one thing that helped me with tolerance, um, besides trying to practice tolerance, which I don't know um, that that necessarily Isn't that like helped so it? much. Yeah. So <laughs> which one, we say doesn't work. One thing that inadvertently <laughs> helped me with to to build tolerance for other people was was my sixth step. I thought you were going to talk about the memes. No. <laughs> the memes but have I really helped me build tolerance. For I thought that audio versus visual reference was in relation to my not tolerating the memes, but tolerating <laughs> the 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 audio comments. No, I was literally thinking of like sitting in my household environment and what activates my nervous system the most. And I feel like there is a different level of activation. Like I can do with movement better than lots of noise. TV up too loud freaks me to fuck out. Just like I'm like we, I either need to leave this room or we got to turn that. Yeah, down. I don't like. like I don't like noise. Do you think like there's I any relation to how you learn? Are you an audio learner, visual learner? Do you think it's any relation uh, to that? I I don't know if it's any relation to that. I think it's in relation to like what I saw in my house. Like the audio cues were the things that were disturbing and scary. Right? There wasn't a lot of like that. Always happened first. The visual stuff was was later down the line. You you saw that coming by then, but the audio ones signaled oh, shit, there's been a shift in this house, and I better mm. get my shit together and be on point. Is it just not, though, that like when it's something visual, you can move your eyes away from it, but when it's audio, it's much harder to get away from it? Um, nice. I'm, I'm not sure, but I will say that like the peripheral, like my, my son is a fucking bouncy little guy, uh, <laughs> and the peripheral still, like, I mean, I guess it's easier to close your eyes than it is to try to close your ears, but yeah, I don't know. I, I do think the audio just gets me more. It's like, instantly activated have you seen those they have those like earbuds now for people who are overstimulated mm-hmm. by have you I don't, no i haven't but i was also thinking the other day that i need fucking like it's become a very real thing like, no i was thinking i need ADHD thing? i need hearing aids <laughs> so oh. i don't know if that might be don't the opposite think you need that. That sounds, <laughs> i don't know sounds worse <laughs> i see somebody with hearing aids and i'm like i don't hear real well either and i never get this checked out but you already have an issue with noise you should uh, yeah, amplify yeah, it i don't <laughs> Is there a way to like amplify the noise I want? <laughs> anyway, uh, what what was your point of your statement here? I was six just step. saying that. Oh yes, yes, yes. No, the sixth step uh, I would think was yeah. super valuable, even though I didn't have the ability to fully conceptualize the practice of it because I hadn't done the healing yet. I do think just being aware of all the places where I do make mistakes or I'm human that I couldn't see before because my defense mechanism for that was to cover it up, right? It was to blame the people around me for why things went wrong. That was the only way I knew how to survive. And so seeing that I also screwed up quite frequently did make me feel a little more compassionate for other people. Yeah. And to me, the tolerance now comes from just like the idea of, you know, information I might have said to sponsees early on, realizing how, what terrible information that was. What makes me think that the information I'm giving right now isn't equally as fucking terrible because there's information that I don't have or things that I don't know or a perspective that I haven't thought of. So So I could be as equally giving bad information now and thinking that I'm so much smarter. Well. That it it just gives me the ability to not have to be right all the time or feel like it's my job to fix the world 
And the opposite end of that spectrum, I think, for me, one of my, I don't want to say it's a fear, but one of the things that comes into my mind is that if I believe that there's something better way that we can help people coming into recovery that I can't sit around and just be tolerant that we hold on to these old beliefs or programs or ideals that haven't changed and I don't, I feel like might be actively keeping us from finding the help we need. Right. So for me to, to just tolerate that and think that is not healthy for me. So I got to know my line in the sand of like, where is the place where I need to stop tolerating things and I need to speak up for them because they seem wrong or, or not okay to me. And, and I think that's a thing we need to ask ourselves when we're talking about tolerance. Is this even a place I should have it? Or is this a place where I need to make a stand? Yeah. Or looking for opportunities where we can express our ideas and opinions openly. Right. Right. So thank you all for the ability to do that here. Yes, I love it. This is helped our me first... tremendously here. Before we go, this is our first episode, all four of us, too. Is it? Yeah. Hooray for us. Yeah. And we all tolerated each other. Mm-hmm. All right, go we out there and practice. We tolerated each other. <laughs> we did. No, we did tolerance the way we believe tolerance exists, which is entering every interaction with an open heart and open mind. All right, go out there and practice that version of tolerance with the people around you. See you next week. Did you like this episode? Share it with people you think might get something out of it. Check out the rest of our episodes at recoverysortof.com. Also, while you're there, you can find ways to link up with us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Reddit, YouTube, anything. We're always looking for new ideas. Got an idea you want us to look into? Reach out to us.